scripture we read together this afternoon is Matthew 7. Matthew 7, let's read the whole chapter. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them, good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit, good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, 
and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. The text I call to your attention this afternoon is verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In the text we consider this afternoon, which appears in the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us that the Christian life is a hard and difficult path. Later on in the same book of Matthew, in chapter 11, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to issue a very sweet and gentle call of the gospel And he will say to the audience before him, and he says to us today, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In that passage, the Lord Jesus bids us to come to him. For to whom else can we go? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by him. In that passage, he calls us to take his yoke upon ourselves and to learn from him because, he says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And by that, the Lord means to encourage us weary travelers down this narrow way. That although the way in itself is difficult and narrow, yet when we follow him and when we look to him and when we put our faith in him, then he transforms that burden so that what would otherwise be hard becomes easy. And what would otherwise be a heavy burden becomes a light burden. And what is unpleasant to the flesh becomes pleasant to our souls. So I ask you, have you found that to be the case in your life? We all struggle against our carnal minds. We all struggle against our depraved natures. And by nature, we all consider the Christian life to be a terrible burden. And we long to walk on that broad way, which is much more pleasing to the flesh. But haven't you found it to be the case, beloved, that when you keep your eyes on Christ, knowing that he loved me and he gave himself for me, to take away my punishment of eternal death and to give me 
the gift of eternal life, so that I know that I'm going home ultimately to the heavenly city to dwell with him forever, that that, when I focus on that, it makes the burden light and the yoke easy. With that encouragement in mind, let's consider the narrow way of the Christian life this afternoon for applicatory. Notice, first of all, the meaning. Secondly, the exhortation. And finally, the end. In this text in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord exhorts, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Our Lord is speaking here of two spiritually incompatible ways of life that flow out of two different gates and that lead to two different eternal destinations. They are spiritually different even though they both run through the same world. These two ways run through the midst of the very same world, through all of the spheres of life in this world. These two ways both run through the home. They both run through the school place. They both run through the workplace. They both run through the public domain. So it's not as though we can just avoid the public domain and think that we're walking on the right path if we stay in the private domain, which we would call world flight. We are to live in the midst of the world, in all spheres of life in the world, because this is a spiritual distinction. These are two different spiritual paths that come out of two different spiritual gates and lead to two different eternal destinations. Christ bids us to walk on the narrow way. But to understand clearly what he means by the narrow way, let us first consider the broad way, the way that he tells us to avoid. The broad way is the way of life of the ungodly and wicked world all around us. Jesus places before our mind a road We are to picture in our minds a road, a very broad and spacious road in which there is plenty of room for the great crowd of people that are hustling their way down that road to wherever it leads. This road is very easy for the carnal man to walk on. It comes very natural for man to walk down this road. This is the easy way. This is the way of least resistance. This is the way that does not involve very much difficulty from a spiritual point of view. This is the way in which those travelers down the road are simply yielding to the lusts of their flesh. They are giving in to the temptations of the devil. They are doing what is right in their own eyes, as if they are the lords of their own lives. 
This broad and spacious road is a beautiful road to the flesh. It is attractive to the natural man. It is the road that we all want to walk down. After all, on this broad road, the love of money is not something to be ashamed of, but the love of money is a wonderful thing. After all, the money that you earn by your hard work in your life on this road, it belongs to you, to use however you want. You don't have to take into consideration what God thinks or what God wants you to do with his gifts, but this money belongs to you. If you want to use it for gambling, if you want to use it to build up a personal empire on this world, if you want to use it to satisfy all your dreams and hopes for this life on the Broadway, you are free to do that. On the Broadway, there are many, many bars in which you can enter and listen to loud music, and there are many parties in which the liquor flows all night long. And in those places, you can enjoy yourself as much as you want, as long as you want, with whomever you want. You can find a dance partner and dance the night away under the darkness of night to the sounds of your favorite music, drinking one after another after another. On the Broadway, there are no restrictive rules about how to use your tongue. You don't have to restrict your tongue, but you can swear like a sailor if you please. You can use the name of God for emphasis if you wish. You can refer to things like hell and damnation as if they are frivolous things. On the Broadway, it all is just fine. On the Broadway, you don't have to deflect the praise of men back to God. You don't have to give glory to God. You can receive for yourself what you know belongs to you, the praise and the recognition and the glory of men. On this broad, attractive way, Sunday is just another day of the week. Not a holy day, not a special day, but do whatever you want on Sunday. If you need to go to work, go to work. If you want to play, then do that. Enjoy yourself. This is your day off. This is your day. On the Broadway, marriage is just a human invention. Anybody can enter into marriage, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, or any other kind of gender. On the Broadway, divorce and remarriage are normal and acceptable things. We should all expect that these are things that happen in life, and you should desire to be happy. And what you deserve is to be happy. So if your first spouse doesn't please you, then you simply divorce him or her, and you take another spouse who pleases you. The Broadway is attractive to natural man because here, sex before marriage is also normal and acceptable. Whether that's experienced virtually through the internet, through pornography, or whether it's experienced in reality. And in fact, on the Broadway, if you have an unwanted pregnancy, you can simply have an abortion. That's a perfectly legitimate way to get out of the responsibility of raising that child. Think of all that the Broadway has to offer to us, just on the television and internet. The Broadway doesn't just run outside of our homes, it runs straight through our homes. The Broadway is there on our screens, our computers, and our televisions. 
And just think of the endless, countless movies and shows and programs that are right there at the click of a button. And on the Broadway, of course, you can watch whatever you want, whatever pleases you, whatever entertains you. Pick your genre, pick your movie. The movies that portray the lusts of the eyes and the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life, they're all open to you. They're all available. Ah, the movies, the parties, the fun. Let the good times roll on the Broadway. There is another way. Jesus speaks of a narrow way. The narrow way about which Jesus speaks is the way of life of the righteous, the way of life of his church, of believers in the midst of the world. Jesus now places before our minds this other way, this other path, and he portrays it as something narrow, something constricted, something compressed. You are to think of a path that there's not much space to move to the left or to the right. It's very constricted. Perhaps in certain places along this road, there are mountains on the right side so that you can't go there, and there are ditches on the left side so that you can't go there. You are kept tight in this space between the mountains and the ditches. It's narrow. It winds through difficult terrain. There are many dangers. There are robbers. There are thieves. There are animals. And there are only a few people, only a few cautiously moving their way down this road. The difficulty of the narrow way is not just the afflictions which are common to man. There are certain things like sickness and disease and loss, which all humans experience. Those on the Broadway and those on the narrow way experience earthquakes and storms and famines and job loss. But on the narrow way, there are also other afflictions. These travelers have to deny their own nature the desires that rise up from their own flesh. These travelers are also mocked, hated, persecuted, and thrust to the very fringes of society because of their faith in Christ. These travelers are persecuted. And yet Jesus calls us to walk down that very terrible and unattractive road. Here on this road, God alone is to be worshipped. Not money, not pleasure, not the belly, not our job, not anything, but God. God is to be loved with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Those are difficult and undesirable duties to our flesh. But on this narrow way, there are churches. And in those churches, the weary traveler can stop on the Lord's Day. And he can find food and drink and refreshment for his soul as he goes down this weary journey. There in the Lord's house on Sunday, he can partake of the sacraments. And he can hear the preaching of the gospel, the good news the glad tidings, and he can join together with other travelers 
And he can lift up songs of praise, thanksgiving, and worship. He can bring his offerings and give a portion of the money God has given to him to the church, to the causes of the kingdom, to the poor, to the Christian schools, to missions. On this journey down this narrow path, there are also Christian schools. And those Christian schools are established by the travelers on the narrow way. The travelers on the broad way have no interest in establishing a Christian school. It's the travelers on the narrow way who are willing to sacrifice their time, their energy, and vast sums of money to establish educational institutions in which they can train up their children to walk down the same narrow way that they're walking down, to teach them the Christian truths and the Christian way of life in a Christian environment to teach them how to worship. On the narrow way, there are mission outposts and evangelistic endeavors in which the weary travelers are not only focused on their own personal journey, but they're also mindful of those on the broad way. And in these mission outposts, they preach the gospel of Christ crucified to the lost who are wandering on the broad way. And they call out to them to repent and to believe in Christ and to follow him on the straight and narrow path. There are evangelistic efforts by the travelers who are not ordained preachers in their daily lives to witness to their neighbors, to tell them the good news of salvation, and to call them to the narrow way. All of these things are undesirable, unattractive burdens to our flesh. But when we hear Jesus saying to us, Come unto me, follow me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we remember his love for us. It becomes a light burden and an easy yoke. We find ourselves willing to give that money, willing to give that time, willing to make those sacrifices, willing to suffer for Christ's sake, willing to spend our Sundays in worship, even when there is persecution. Because the travelers down this narrow way are also faced with assaults. There are enemies hiding to the left and to the right, behind bushes and trees, and suddenly they will jump out and attack the travelers on that road with temptations, with persecutions, with accusations, with manipulations and deceptions. And with all of these attempts, the weary traveler can hardly keep his feet on that narrow path but for the grace of God. And all the while... Those weary travelers are striving to do good works, to raise their covenant children in the home to the best of their ability with all of the challenges involved in that, to care for the widows and the fatherless in their afflictions, to care for the poor and the needy in their communities, to care for the sick and the elderly in the hospital and in the manor, and to reach out to lost sinners. They strive to submit to the will of God in everything. Those are the two ways that Jesus presents to us 
in the text. Now the exhortation is, Enter ye in at the straight gate. And the implied exhortation is, Enter not into the wide gate. At the front of these two ways are two gates. A wide gate and a narrow gate. These two gates are like physical gates in a certain respect because they open up onto that path. But they are not like physical gates in this respect. That with a physical gate, if you have two physical gates next to each other that lead down two different roads... If you open the door of the one and you go in, you no longer face the other gate. You are now on the one path and you're not on the other. But these two gates are always before us. Every single day, these two gates stand before us. And every single day, we are facing the wide gate. This wide, beautiful, attractive, decorated gate. And standing in that wide open gate, these two doors, you picture them flung wide open, leading onto that Broadway, so wide that you can see all of the people having fun down there on that path. And there at the gate is the gatekeeper, and that's Satan. But he doesn't look terrible, he's clothed as an angel of light. He looks friendly. And he's smiling at you with his big grin. He's beckoning to you. He's inviting you. Come, come. Have some good times down this Broadway. And then you cast your eye on the other gate. And what you see is this small, short, constricted little gate with a little handle. And as you look at that, you wonder, how will I even squeeze through that gate into that narrow path, and if I see it, it's a narrow path with lots of mountains and rugged terrain. How am I even going to get through that gate onto that path? And it's not attractive at all. It looks difficult. It doesn't look like something we care to do. And these two gates stand before us. Every day when we swing our feet out of bed, there are those two gates that lead down those two ways. It's not as some would interpret the text that these two gates only stand before you when you are a youth, a child and a youth. There is that way of thinking, you know, and there's some truth to that. But it's not as if when you are a child, before you are converted, they would say, before you are baptized, they would say, before you have accepted Jesus into your life, they would say that, that you face these two gates, and the one gate is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then going down that way, and the other gate is rejecting Christ and accepting Satan and taking the path of the world. Now, I said there's some truth to that. We reject the Arminian presentation that I just mentioned. But, of course, there's truth to that. When you are a youth, you do face many important decisions in your life, such as confession of faith, Am I going to make confession of faith and become a member of this church and become committed to it? 
And what college am I going to go to? And what career path do I want to pursue? And where is that going to lead me? And who am I going to marry? Who is a proper person for dating and marriage? When I take my vows, that will affect the rest of my life. And so on and so forth. So it's true that in a special way, when we are youth, we face these two gates. But we face them every day. All of us do. And as you look at that wide gate, you see that there are multitudes of people flocking to it. And that has a great impact on us. As we see hundreds, thousands, even millions of people flocking to that wide gate so that even though it's very wide and very spacious, yet it still seems that it's almost there's too big of a crowd to even squeeze through it. But there they go, the great multitude squeezing through that wide gate into that broad way. That's what Jesus says in our text. There are many who go through that gate. And he says that to us as a warning and an encouragement. He warns us not to buy into the argument that if everyone is doing it, then it must be okay. If everybody believes it, then it must be true. That's a false argument. But it's a very powerful one. We look around us and we see the multitudes, the majority of the people doing a certain thing, and we are tempted to think, well, then it must be okay. Well, then it must be true. But Jesus says, now don't go there. There are many people who go in the wide gate down the broad way. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it true. And that's an encouragement to us who are walking down the narrow way. Isn't that an encouragement? The encouragement is that don't worry and don't fret about the multitude that you see. Don't be fearful that maybe, don't be doubtful that maybe you're on the wrong path. No. The Lord says to us, he exhorts us, enter ye in at the straight gate. And this being the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those who believe in him. Enter ye in at the straight, narrow, constricted little doorway that leads to the narrow way. And that gate is nothing other than Jesus himself. In John 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He is the door and he is the way. In John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you say, well, wonderful, then all I have to do is go to Jesus. Yes, but then he also reminds you in John 3, verses 3 through 5, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He reminds us 
as we stand before those two gates, you can't enter that straight little doorway. Not of yourself. No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me draw him. But even though it's true that we cannot enter that gate of ourselves, we also know that it's true that whom God predestinated, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified, and them he will glorify. Whom he predestinates, God calls to Christ. He calls us to that little door. He works in our hearts. He softens our hearts. He opens our hearts. He leads our hearts to see what the world doesn't see, that Jesus, that's where I want to go. That's where I need to be. I need to go to him. And it doesn't matter how difficult that path might be. Jesus, you see, stands in that gate. The devil is in the other gate. He looks so wonderful, smiling, shining, friendly, inviting. But Jesus stands in the other gate with no frivolous expression on his face, but a serious expression, yet an expression of love, kindness, as he says to us, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am meek and lowly in spirit. He calls us to himself. And he exhorts us to enter through that gate onto the straight and narrow path. How does this difficult path of the Christian life become a light burden and an easy yoke? It's because Jesus, who is that door and that way, he already walked that whole way for us, before us. He walked the whole thing, all the way to the end. In fact, he walked a much harder, darker, and deeper way. It was the way that led to the cross. It was the way that led to Golgotha, where he gave his life and shed his blood for us weary travelers. And by his obedience to the Lord, walking down the narrow path all the way to the cross, he became our righteousness. He became our salvation. And he rose from the dead. And now he stands in that gate calling to us to come, to, to, to follow him. And he promises that that yoke for us will be easy because he took the heavy yoke. He took the heavy burden. He bore the heavy cross. And therefore, whatever crosses we have to bear, whatever burdens come upon us, whatever afflictions, they're easy in comparison because we don't have to do these things to earn our righteousness with God. Our righteousness is secure in Christ. Our salvation is secure in Jesus. We're not going to be condemned and kicked off the path into the flames of everlasting condemnation when we make a mistake, when we fail, when we sin. Because Jesus already did that for us. 
So he bids us to come to him and to walk down that straight and narrow way, denying what our flesh craves, the easy way, the fun way, the broad way. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and going down the narrow path. He tells us there are few who find it. Notice he doesn't say there are few who enter. That's true, too. But he says there are few who even find this door. Remember, if you're not born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. If, if you're not born again, all you see is that wide gate. That's it. You don't see the two gates. For you, there's only one gate, and there's only one way. But those who have been born again are given these new eyes to see that little door there. That's the one that I need. Few find it. We know that the children of Abraham will be as many as the stars of the heaven, as many as the sand of the seashore and the dust of the earth, innumerable. And yet, as long as we live in this world, it doesn't appear so. It always appears that there are few who find that gate. The church always appears to be just a little flock in the midst of the world. Enter in at the straight gate. Finally, our Lord teaches us the ends of these two ways. Enter in at the straight gate... For the wide gate and the broad way lead to destruction. That's where they lead, to destruction. That's the sobering and important truth that Jesus would have us remember about that broad way. We tend to see with our carnal eyes all the fun and entertainment and excitement but Jesus would have us look at the end of that way. Look to the end. What do you see far off in the distance at the very end of the road? You see a raging fire, a raging inferno. It's the everlasting flames of God's wrath. He says, don't make any mistake about that broad way. Don't be deceived about that Broadway. Don't listen to the smiling face of Satan at the entrance. That path leads to hell. And you could say that those who are on the Broadway are already in hell. From a certain point of view. Because the lifestyle that rejects the only comfort in life and death, which is Jesus Christ and seeks happiness in money, seeks happiness in drunkenness, seeks happiness in drugs and dancing and extramarital sex and movies and all the rest, that neglects the Lord's Day, that neglects the gospel, that neglects the scriptures and prayer. That's a miserable life. That's not a happy life. Sometimes we look at those on the Broadway and they seem happy. They seem to be smiling. You see them on the television. They seem prosperous and famous. And their lives are wonderful. And then you, you hear the reports about what's really going on in their lives. It's all misery. 
Asaph wrestled with that already long ago, and he wrote Psalm 73. And that psalm, as well as Psalm 37, they stand there as an eternal testament to the weary travelers. Don't fret yourself about evildoers. Asaph says, My feet almost slipped off the narrow path because I was looking at the wicked, and they seemed to have no troubles in their life. They seemed to have only prosperity and riches and happiness. And I was struggling. I had afflictions and sufferings, and nothing seemed to go right for me. It didn't seem like it was, there was any value to following God. It seemed vain. He says, Ah, but then I went to the house of the Lord, and everything became crystal clear again. God has set their feet on slippery places. Although they seem to prosper, they're slipping down to destruction. Don't envy them. Don't choose the wide gate. Enter into the straight gate. Because Jesus says, that way, although it is narrow and constricted and compressed, and you're going to feel throughout your whole life that there are restrictions on you, You can't do the things that the world does. You may do those things. Your conscience won't let you. Jesus won't let you. It's a life of denying yourself, denying the pleasures of sin, and choosing the pleasures of Christ, the pleasures of the kingdom. And yet Jesus says, that way leads to life. Look down through that little doorway, down that narrow winding path, way up into the distance. What do you see over there? The shining glory of the celestial city. The glory of eternal heaven, dwelling with God and the saints and the angels, receiving your gracious inheritance and living with God for all eternity. And it's not that you're going to get there because you walked on the path. You're going to get there because Jesus walked on the path before you. He walked on the path perfectly all the way. And now you follow him all the way. And there you receive the blessed fellowship of salvation, communion with God in the heavenly city, forever and ever. In a resurrected body with no more sin, no more struggles, no more trials, persecutions, but sweet relief, sweet rest, and joy in God like you've never tasted in this world with any of the pleasures of sin or even any of the legitimate pleasures of this life. Pleasures will flow for all eternity like you cannot imagine in that eternal covenant with God. So Jesus says to us, enter in the straight gate. Walk the narrow path. Come to me and follow me, and you will be saved. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks that thou dost apply the gospel to our lives through the scriptures that we've considered tonight. We pray, Lord, that thou would take that word and apply it to each one of us 
as each of us faces different circumstances, different temptations, and help us, Lord, by thy powerful grace to walk down that narrow way that leads to life. 